Welcome to Broadcast 1132. You can join us live every Sunday during our worship experience in Allen, Texas, or at church1132.com. Uh, all right, Climb Higher Part 3. Uh, here we go. Our text has been Genesis chapter 22, uh, verse 14. The second part uh, is what we really believe is the motto for our year. And it says, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. On the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. Our series, Climb Higher, if you've missed any of it, you can go back and look uh, online and, and, and get caught up. But on the mountain, we've been talking about, and our theme, Climb Higher, is about altitude. Altitude changes perspective. If I can get up higher, I can see things differently. And I found this in my own life that if I learn how to get away with God and get above my circumstances, circumstances that look like they were going to take me out in the valley actually look very non-threatening from the mountain. So when we say climbing higher, we mean getting away with God. We mean just making time and space to meet with him, to be with him. And you can do that on your commute. You can do that in your living room. You can do it before you go to bed. You can do it early in the morning. You can do it whenever uh, you make time and space in your schedule. But that meeting place we call in our community the mountain. We call it climbing higher. So you'll hear a lot of people that have been here for a long time, they'll say if they're going to spend time with God, we're going to go climb higher. Or if they're facing opposition, they'll say, I'm going to go climb higher. Yesterday, after the game, I decided to climb higher. I was going to bail. And not be here today, but I decided to get up on the mountaintop, and I look back over this five straight years of making it to the playoffs, and from the mountain, it looks different than the valley. I just tell you, it just, it stings a little less when you've been there so many times. It's just, okay, Any, anyways, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. It's funny, uh, years ago, I, when I, was, I was still in high school, we had a special speaker that came, and, and so he was speaking at one of our camps, and so I shouldn't even joke about this kind of stuff about Cowboys and Seahawks and all that, because when I was a teenager, this guy came, and he was, uh, I think it was a Washington Redskin fan, uh, which y'all hate too, like any me, and, uh, and, and, and so he, he came, and the, his entire message, he dogged the Seahawks, and he's in Seattle, he's dogging the Seahawks, Honestly, I don't even know what he preached on. I don't know his point. I didn't respond to the altar call. I hated him then. I hate him now. I just like, so I shouldn't even joke around because some of y'all are not going to hear another word the rest of the message. I love you. I love the Cowboys. All right? And so I hope they win today. That's not how all our staff feels, but I'm going to tell you, as your senior pastor, as the lead pastor of this house, we believe that. Exodus 3 Chapter 3, verse 12 was our text last week, and it says, And God said, I will be with you, and this will be the sign to you, that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. And this has been uh, the progression that we're learning that God is establishing with Moses. It's a precedent. He is taking him from mountain and equipping him to valley and ministry. And then back to the mountain and equipping him, and then back to the valley to minister. This is a precedent that was set in the life of Moses that is also true for us as a believer. That we are to get away with God and be equipped, and then go down into the marketplace, the valley, our world, our family, our home, and minister. And then we're not supposed to stay there, or we're not supposed to stay there. We are supposed to climb back to the mountain, get away with God, be equipped again, and then come back down. Today is a continuation of last week's a conversation with Moses, Exodus chapter 4, and we're going to read 
uh, through one through five. It says, Moses answered, what if they do not believe me or listen to me and say, the Lord did not appear to you? Then the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? A staff, he replied. The Lord said, throw it on the ground. Moses threw it on the ground and it became a snake and he ran from it. I would run too. Then the Lord said to him, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. That's worse. So Moses reached out and took hold of the snake and it turned back into a staff in his hand. This, said the Lord, is so that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. What is that in your hand? This is the question that God asked Moses. Now, if you remember last week, you were here last week in Exodus chapter 3. This is not a different story. This is a continuation of the same story. So when the burning bush came to Moses, it didn't end there. And then he went to Egypt. The story continued. Because what God was showing Moses on the mountain was that God was showing Moses that he had to be called. But he wasn't going to call him without equipping him. So Exodus chapter 4 is saying, I'm going to send you, but I'm not going to send you empty-handed. And this is good news for us because whatever God's calling us to, he equips us for. Whatever God is calling us to do, he equips us to do. God's calling is his equipping. He would never call you to do something that he has not prepared in advance for you to do. So you can be confident that whatever God's calling you to do, to go, or what to be involved in, that he's already somewhere in your past, equipped you. Sometimes you don't even know you're equipped until you step. I found this true to be God, is that God's grace is usually on the other side of my obedience, never before. I wish it happened before, but it's usually after. I'm telling you, God's going to shift some things this morning. I feel it in the atmosphere that God wants to shift some things in your life because some of you have been discrediting you. You've been discrediting yourself, your talents, your gifting, and God is asking the same question to you that he asked of Moses, what is that in your hand? What's that in your hand? This is the question that our world is asking in a different way, but they're asking this, why am I here? And what do I have? Why am I breathing the oxygen on this planet? Why am I here? Have you ever wondered why? Have you ever asked the question, why am I here? Like, what am I supposed to do? I think different seasons make this question louder. So you graduate high school, what am I supposed to do? You graduate college, what is in my hand? What am I supposed to do? You get older, you're about to get married. What am I supposed to do? You get married. God, what am I supposed to do? You have kids. Lord God, Jehovah, what am I supposed to do? You hit midlife. What am I supposed to do? This question continues to resonate no matter how old we get or no matter what we accomplish. And God asks us the same question he asked Moses. What, what is that in your hand? I, I love to think that God equips us for the things that he calls us to. I, I remember when we had my oldest son, Jude, we, we had to go to the hospital. He was breached, and so we had to have a C-section. So we went into the hospital, and, and, and they took Jamie away, and I'm by myself in this little room, and they gave me scrubs. You know, they threw the scrubs in, and, and, and I put them on, and it looked like I came right out of the 90s, you know, like Jinkos, and, and uh, it's, the, it's the baggiest pants I had on in years. And, and, and so I'm nervous in there, and, and, and I'm like, my goodness, what is about to happen? I'm supposed to be a dad. Uh, I'm like, am I ready? I mean, you start asking that question. And I was like, not freaking out, but kind of freaking out. 
I'm in there and by myself, and it seemed to be for a long time. I don't know what they're doing to Jamie. I'm just in there, and people are hustling by, and I'm like, man, am I really ready for this? Am I really, like, ready? Like, life change. Here it is. I'm, 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 about, I'm about to be a dad, so I'm so nervous I had to do something, so I started, like, tailoring my own scrubs. I made the best-looking scrubs you ever see. I had skinny scrubs. And, and, and I had like, I, I tailored the shirt up a little bit, just, you know, sleeves just a little bit higher. And, and so I walked into the operating room and they're like, well, we've never seen scrubs like that. And I said, that's right, you haven't. I may not be ready to be a dad, but I can at least make a living it's doing something, you know. And, and so, so I walk in and, and, and I remember the first time I saw Jude, it was like, everyone tells you like, oh, you're ready. Don't worry. You're ready. You have it in you. And you're like, yeah, right. Uh. But I remember seeing Jude, I remember the waves of emotion that hit me, just like over and over. And like I'm excited, then I'm back to being nervous. And, and then they hand him to me. I'm like, what do I do? And, 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 and then I remember like for real, it just, now it's just natural. It's just our life. It's just family. It's just what we do. And I had someone tell me years ago, right, right when he was still young, they were saying, oh, wow, you're, you're so good with Jude. And I'm like, I am? And I begin to realize something, is that God had prepared me in advance for something that I was about to do. See, this is the way that God works, is when you don't even know it, you are walking through life situations that are setting you up and preparing you to actually be good at the thing God's called you to. So the fear that you have is actually unmerited fear because there's always fear before the step. God's grace hasn't shown up. God's equipment hasn't shown up. God's equipping hasn't shown up. So of course you're scared on this side of the step. But when you step into it, there is grace, there is training, there is equipping, and all of a sudden you realize I, I had it in me. I had it in me all along. I, I, I had it in me. You have no idea what you have in you. It's, it's, it's in you. It's a part of you. Well, I'm just really bogged down with life. Did you know that that bogging down actually could have been part of your training? Because other people are bogged down. And other people have went through trials, and other people have been hurt, and other people have been down and out, and other people were bankrupt, and other people went through what she went through. So maybe what you went through, God wants to flip around in your life and use as something substantial. When, when we pick up the story of Moses, he, he's having this conversation with God, and, 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 and Moses, he was called in the Bible a friend of God, so I guess he can get away with some of the things that he did and some of the ways that he said it, because Moses argues with God a lot. I've tried that. It hasn't worked out well for me. Moses had some favor on his life because sometimes it worked, and, and, and so he starts arguing with God about his equipment, and it brings me to, to, to what I want to just start breaking down is this conversation and some things that happen on the mountain. When it comes to what's in your hand, these are some things that happens. Identification happens on the mountain. You identify what is in your hand, and it happens on the mountain because God asked Moses, he says, what is that in your hand? And Moses replies, and I have it here if I can get it here. I have it here uh, for an analogy. He says, a staff. This is what I have. Th this is what I have in my hand. He's probably looking at God like, uh, a staff? Like you can see. It's like when God was looking for, for Adam and Eve. He says, where are you? And Adam's like, really? 
you know where we are. Like, don't, pa- don't patronize me. Moses probably the same way. God says, Moses, out of the burning bush, what is that in your hand? That's how God speaks. And he says, it's a staff. This is what you're going to send me with? A staff? This thing? This thing that I'm out here on the backside of the desert in the wilderness for the last 40 years? This thing that's been in my hand, this thing that has kept me up, this thing that I've leaned on, this thing that I've relied on, this thing, this, this old stick. See, what you don't know about a shepherd's staff, maybe you do, is that shepherds would actually mark up their staff. Psalm 23 says, talks about the rod and the staff. There's two different things. The, the, the staff, most people believe, was for leading, but it actually wasn't for leading, it was for leaning. The, the, the staff wasn't for leading, it was for leaning. The staff was for Moses. It wasn't for the sheep. The shepherd oftentimes would take the staff and would mark the days that would pass so that they could keep track of time. Also, any substantial happening, they would mark on their staff. It was not uncommon to find staffs that actually had history marked on the rod, on the staff. And so some theologians believe that if you had Moses' staff, you could see a history lesson of where he'd been. You could see a calendar. You could see where he went through dark days. You could see how maybe he wrote about the Egyptian that he killed and how he left the place that he was supposed to lead in. You, you could see places he'd been hurt or places that he'd be injured, and, and that would all be on this staff. So when God asked him what was in his hand, It was more than just a stick. What was in his hand was his story. What was in his hand was everything that he'd ever walked through, everything that he'd ever been through was right there. We think it'd be no big deal to just give up our our staff. But to Moses, to give up what he'd been leaning, he he leaned on what he'd been through. He relied on what he'd been, he didn't want to give up that pain that he'd been holding for the last 40 years. He'd been holding that staff. And God says, Moses, what is in your hand? The staff represented a shepherd's income. It represented a shepherd's influence. And it represented a shepherd's identity. All in a stick. You could tell if a shepherd was wealthy by a staff. You could tell what they've been through by a staff. You could tell his influence. You could tell his identity. And you could tell his income. All right here. And God says, hey, Moses. What is, what is that in your hand? See, I don't know if you've ever felt like you don't have anything to give. But God doesn't really look at the same things the world looks at. It's interesting because when God asks us what we have, we look at what the world has and we say nothing. As if God is asking the same question that the world's asking or measures by the same measuring rod that the world measures. God says, what is in your hand? And you think you have nothing, but God sees something. He sees your story. He sees what you've been through. He sees what you walked through. The very things we've wanted to hide could be the tools that God wants to use. Whatever Moses had been through had been marked on his staff in the last 40 years of the wilderness. And let me tell you something about God. God never wastes a wilderness. 
God will never waste your process. God will never waste what you've been through. God will never waste your difficulty. God will never waste your crisis. I know you could have done without all that pain, but God won't waste it. God will use what you've been through to lead where you're going. God will use what is in your hands. God will never waste your wilderness. Romans chapter 8 verse 28 says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. We know that in all things, even in my wilderness, even in what this staff represents, I bet Moses wished that his staff represented something different than it did. It's like, what's there to mark here? A lot of, a lot of years of wandering when there's greatness in me. A lot of years of wilderness when I was supposed to deliver the people. And I think God was just like looking at him like, hey, Moses, I'm trying to remind you of what's in your hands. I'm trying to remind you of what you've been through, what you have. I'm trying to remind you of something. Because just because you've been wandering for 40 years doesn't mean I'm done. It, it doesn't mean you're through. Maybe a chapter ended, but the book didn't close. Maybe a day passed, but it doesn't mean you're through. I, I don't know who this is for, but you're not done yet. You're not done yet. God's not done with you. God hasn't cast you aside. God hasn't closed the door on your future. God hasn't removed the anointing from you. God hasn't removed his hand from you. God's looking at you and saying, listen, you thought I left you, but I'm asking you something. What is in your hand? On the mountain of God, it will be provided. On the mountain of God, it will be demonstrated. I'm going to tell you, you know how you find your identity? You know how if you find out what is in your hand? You get on the mountaintop. You begin to climb. If you would get on the mountain, if you would get away with God, you would see the things that you feel like are wasted that God is about to use. You would see the years that you think were not good or were an embarrassment to you that you kind of want to hide. But God says, what you're trying to hide, I'm actually going to use as a tool to advance the kingdom of God. Identification happens on the mountain. Number two, demonstration happens on the mountain. Verse 3, it says, the Lord said, throw it on the ground. Moses threw it on the ground, and it became a snake, and he ran from it. Rightfully so. Like I said, I don't want to have anything to do with snakes. I don't want to see them. I don't want to talk about them. Even reading it right now, just I don't like it. And the fact that God told him to pick it up was just like a wrong thing to do. Because it says it turned back to a staff in his hand. That means why he's holding it, it was a snake. And he's holding it, and then it turned back to the staff in his hand. That's just not right. It's like, that, that is not right at all. I, I think it's interesting that God told him to throw it down. Did you know there was no need for the staff to become a sign on the mountain? But God was demonstrating to him on the mountain that whatever worked on the mountain would also work in the valley. That if he could trust him on the mountaintop, then he could trust him in the valley. So God was trying to teach him that if you could lay down what you have been through, I can turn your story into a sign. Because Moses thought he had a staff in his hand. And God said, you don't have a staff. You have a sign. You have a sign to everyone around you. You have a sign to people watching you. You have a sign to your family. This is not a staff. This is not just a story. This is a sign. This is a sign that God still has my hand. This is a sign that God still has a plan. This is a sign that God's not finished with me yet. And he says, Moses, if you can learn to throw it, I will be faithful to show you what it can be. And if you can lay down what you've been through, 
I can turn what you've been through into a sign. This isn't a staff. It's a sign. Moses thought it was ordinary. You ever felt like you're ordinary? Moses thought it was history. You ever felt like it's your past has kept you from your future? Moses thought it was just something that he leaned on. And God said, I'm tired of you leaning on your past. I'm tired of you leaning on your pain. I'm tired of you leaning on what you've been through. The victim mentality has to go. I'm asking you to throw down what you've been through so I can be your source, so you can rely on me, so you can lean on me. I will be your guide. I will watch over you. I will be with you. But first you have to throw down. What you've been leaning on. The staff was never to lead. It was to lean. So there's significance in God saying, you've got to throw it down. You know, I found this about people is that most people don't want to lay down their pain. That after you've been through so much, you become so close to what you've been through that it's difficult to lay it down. And it's interesting that God says, before I use you greatly, you have to learn how to lay down what you've been through. Because if you don't lay down what you've been through, you will lean on what you've been through instead of leaning on me. Do you see this? Do you see this progression happening in the life of Moses? God is saying, I'm going to make sure you win, Moses. See, God loves you enough to make sure that you win. You think it would be cruel of God to make you lay down something. But God says if you never lay it down, you'll never win. You've got to learn to lay down what you've been through. Oh, so I just turn a deaf ear to my past? No, if you lay it down, it will become a sign. This was the demonstration. was not that God said leave what you've been through and do something else. He says lay it down, throw it down. So that it can become what I want it to become. Whatever you lay down becomes alive. Whatever you lay down comes alive. And the opposite is also true. Whatever you continue to pick up dies. He said, pick up the snake, Moses. And he picked it up and it turned back into a staff. But every time he laid it, every time, every single time he would lay. Can I tell you something about your walk with Jesus? Every time you lay something down, it'll come alive. You hold that marriage too tight, it dies. You hold your future too tight, it dies. You hold your income too tight, it dies. This is a kingdom, all, this is a kingdom principle all throughout the word of God. But every time you lay it down, it comes alive. Every time you throw it, it comes alive. Every time you, do you know why generosity is addictive? Because you learn that when you throw it down, it comes alive. Do you know why serving God is addictive? Because when you try to do it in your own strength and you're leaning on everything that you've been through, it, it, this is so tiring. And the moment you lay it down, it comes alive. And that feeling, I'm telling you, it's addicting. It's addicting. And all of a sudden you realize, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And it's not about me trying to do it because that through Christ part is about me laying down. Everything that I would have used or everything that I would have relied on. Demonstration happens on the mountain. What had been a staff in the valley became a sign on the mountain. I'm going to tell you everything that you have been through, everything that you've encountered, the failures, the wins, the losses, the mountains, the valleys, everything that you have been through, God will use. And if you will learn to throw that staff, if you will learn to throw that story, God will turn it into a sign. This is what God does. 
what had been a staff in the valley became a sign on the mountain. I remember, um, see if I can get this thing back in. I remember when I, when I was about 18, I was in an internship at my church in Washington, and, and we would travel and do services for other churches. And At 18 years old, I was preaching, and, and uh, I was preaching this service at a, a little city. It's called Mossy Rock. That's, that's what its name was, Mossy Rock. It's weird. And so it, it's in Washington, and, and it rains a lot, and there was a lot of Mossy Rock, so I don't know if that's how they got the name, but that's what they named it, Mossy Rock. Where there was a small little church, and I remember... Thought process is going through my head about my own life and about my own qualifications to preach. I'm 18 years old, so I'm young. I'm 18 years old, and I've grown up in church. I really hadn't done a lot wrong in the world's perspective. And so these are some of the thoughts that the enemy tried to plant in my head. Your testimony isn't valuable because you don't have a testimony. And it started to like shake me a little bit because I started thinking like, oh yeah, if I would have done some of this, that would make my testimony so much greater. People would want to hear me or I could minister to more people if I'd actually been through. But because I've never been through that, what am I supposed to, what am I supposed to offer? What am I supposed to do? People won't even listen to me because they're like, oh, that's just that church kid. He never experienced what we experienced. And I remember my thought process happening. And as I spent time in prayer, I, be, I remember God beginning to help me and lead me and reveal to me something. He took me to the book of Daniel and he showed me how Daniel was undefiled in everything that he did. And God began to say, what, what kind of testimony, what kind of testimony would it be if God could keep you from something? Instead of bringing you out of something, would not be a testimony if he kept you from something? And God began to show me. See, I, I despised even good things that were in my hand. I despise. See, if you would have had my testimony at 18, some of you would have been like, yeah, hey, I'm ready to lead. But everybody doubts what they have in their hand because at 18, I was doubting what I had in my hand. And if I would have had what you have in your hand, I would have said I could have reached the world. And you would have said, if I had what is in your hand, I could have reached the world. And God's trying to show us it is not about what it is. It is about whose it is. I am trying to change whose hand it is. I'm trying to get you to lay down your story. And whatever the staff is, whatever the story, as unmarred or as marred it is, as it is, God will use it. And I remember getting up to preach that night, 18 years old. Our team shared, our intern shared, and I preached, and the power of God came in the service. To this day is probably one of the like wildest services that I've ever been in in my life. It was like the presence of God came. We sang the same song for an hour and a half. Now, I don't know if that was God or just like hysteria that has come on the exhaustion, the, the band for an hour and a half, the same song. People are worshiping. This guy, two guys, run in off the street. I'm up ministering. They run in off the street. As they come in the door, God gives me a word for them. I begin to prophesy over them as they're walking in the door from the street. By the time they get halfway up, they can barely walk. They're weeping. They come all the way to the front. They give their life to Jesus. This guy, this is no joke. This is hilarious. This guy gets so excited about the third row. He's got big rubber boots on, and he, he's a little bit awkward. And, and, and he jumps out of his seat. He's so excited. He gets down on the ground and starts doing push-ups. He, he didn't know how to funnel the excitement. He's just like, 
go God, go God. And it's like, what is happening right now? This is a sign and a wonder. It is a sign that makes me wonder. I mean, he just lost his mind. The whole place had just gone crazy. As they just saw God, people were getting healed, miracles happening, people getting saved. I think we had, service went like three and a half hours. It was, for some of you, that's not a move of God. That's like, that is like not okay. But it, it was okay, and, and, and it was three and a half hours, and, and I remember on the drive home, God beginning to speak to me. And he said, Dustin, it doesn't matter if the staff is pretty or the staff is ugly. It matters if you throw it down. And if you're faithful to throw your story, I will be faithful to make it a sign. So I don't know who I'm talking to this morning, but I'm here to tell you that your story is a sign. The only way that it's not a story is because you have a sign is because you have not been to the mountain yet. But when you begin to get away with God, you identify what this is, and then he demonstrates what it is. And now every time you throw your story, it becomes a sign. I thought my story wouldn't reach anybody. I thought my story would disqualify me. The same way you probably think your story would disqualify you. And it's not about the story being good or bad. It's about the story being thrown down so that God can use it. Third thing that happens to what is in your hand is transformation. Transformation happens on the mountain. And as we begin to wind down, I have to show you this in Exodus chapter 4. We didn't read this yet, but in in verse 17, it says something. You can put it up on the screen. Exodus chapter 4, verse 17, it says, But take this staff, this staff, in your hand so that you can perform the signs with it. This is what he's saying. He says, I want you to take this with you because this was your sign. So he laid it down and he picked it back up. See, some of us, we want to lay down our story and never go back to it. But he says, no, 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 I I need you to lay it down, and you're going to pick it. It's still yours. I'm just doing something in the midst of it. Some of us would like to look back at our pain and say, I'm never going to talk about that. You need to talk about it. Because that, whatever that is in your past, is going to help minister to people in your, God's not going to waste your wilderness. He's not going to waste your pain. So in Exodus chapter 4, verse 17, it says, but take this staff, Moses' staff, in your hand. I want to show you something. And once you see this, then we'll begin to wrap up. Exodus chapter 4, verse 20, three verses later, after Moses Moses accepts the call, it says this. So Moses took his wife. Go ahead, change it. But Moses took his wife. Exodus chapter 4, verse 20. It's coming. Moses took his wife and sons put them on a donkey, and started back to Egypt. And he took what? This, your staff? God's. Your staff? Three verses. Three verses. That's it. Three verses. Your staff? God's. He says, take the staff of God. Moses is like, wait, what? That's my staff. He says, no, no. As soon as you lay it down, it becomes mine. As soon as you lay it down, it becomes mine. It was your staff. It was your story. It was your pain. Now it's my pain. Now it's my story. Now it's my testimony. And if you throw it down, I'll turn it into a sign. This is not just a demonstration. This is transformation because it used to be your story and maybe you want to lay it down but God says you better pick it back up again because I'm about to use it and what used to be yours is now mine take the staff of God in your hand three verses and a transformation 
Transformation happens on the mountain. Your history will become his story if you lay it down. How many times have you walked through the doors of a church and felt like I shouldn't be here? How many times have you heard an announcement for a leader and you say, I shouldn't lead? You know what? Maybe it's time to throw your story. Maybe it's time to talk about what you've been through. I can never talk about it. I can never talk about it. You know what? If you threw it down, what used to be your story would become his story. And when it becomes his story, there is no telling what God can do. Did you know that Moses took that little story and he marched into Egypt to a people that had been in slavery for 430 years? And he began to throw that story. And the sign of God begin to loosen the grip of Pharaoh on the Israelite people until he could not hold them any longer and he let them go. It was the same staff that when they came to the Red Sea after God had delivered them and he's, everyone's saying, surely we're done now. We escaped and now we're going to die in the desert. The people were actually murmuring and complaining this very thing. Now we're going to die. And Moses took that same staff and he threw it down on the Red Sea. And when he threw it down on the Red Sea, the Bible says that the waters parted. And they made a wall on one side and a wall on the other. And the children of Israel walked through on dry ground. So I don't know what impossible situation that you're facing. That even people around you are saying, ah, it's impossible. It's impossible. Throw your, throw your staff at it. Well, I don't even know what my staff... Get on the mountain and find out what your staff is. And I'll tell you what your, your staff is, your story. Your staff is everything you've ever been through. Every time you cried yourself to sleep. Every ounce of pain. Every ounce of failure. Every sin. Every compromise. All, all of that that you thought was wasted. Some of you are sitting here right now thinking, my time is up. I have wasted the best years of my life. And Moses was 80 years old when he learned how to throw his staff. He was 80 when he learned how to throw it. What works on the mountain will work in the valley. What God teaches you in prayer, what God teaches you in the quiet place, what God teaches you in the secret place, those things that he shows you are not just for there. They're for your future, and he will prove himself to you. He will prove himself faithful. Some of us think, well, that worked in the church. No, no, no. If it worked in the church, it'll work in the marketplace. If it works in America, then it should work all around the world. The same gospel that we preach here better work everywhere or it's not the gospel. The gospel has to work with every people, with every tongue, with every tribe, with every... It has to work everywhere or it's not the gospel. The gospel is not for some. It's not for one. God's miracles are not for some or just for one. It is for all people everywhere that we would experience the power and the grace of God. You are God's sign. And if you would throw your story at whatever's coming against you, God would flip it into a sign and he will use your life to advance the kingdom of God, to set people free, and to minister to everyone around you. This was the call of Moses, not just to call him, but to equip him. This is great news for anybody that wants to follow Jesus, is that because he's calling, it's proof that I'm equipped, that I'm ready. What works on the mountain will work in the valley. To answer the question that we started with this morning, what's in your hand? I'll tell you what's in your hand, your past, your history, 
your wins, your losses, your story. And if you'll throw it, it will become a sign. What does this mean for us? As believers, we're talking about Moses. It it means that as you make time and space for God, God's going to identify in you the thing that he's going to use. And he's going to demonstrate it, that it will work. When I was 18 and I threw my testimony out there and I saw it work, something happened. Something happened to me. Because I, I didn't think it was worth anything. I didn't think it would work. But when I threw it and it worked, it changed everything about my life. Now I know I got to throw this thing. I got to throw it. I got to throw, throw my story. I got to throw my testimony. I got to throw it down. I got to lay it down. I got to lay it down. And every time I lay it down, it becomes a sign. Because I'm not making it a sign. God's making it a sign. But he can't make something a sign that's in my hand. He only makes something a sign that's in his hands. That's why the little boy with three loaves of bread and two fish didn't multiply it in his hands. He said, God, I'll put it in your hand. When Jesus took it, he multiplied. Because it matters whose hands it's in. You can carry your past. You can carry your story. But it's nothing. It's nada. It will do nothing for the kingdom of God in your hands. It is only only when you lay it down, dreams, vision, future, talent, giftings, potential, past, history, whatever it is, is dead in our hands, but alive in God. Thanks for listening. You can find out more about us at church1132.com.